Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. It is a system that is constantly trying to take us away from the things of God, constantly trying to take us away from the focus on God and put our focus, our attention on anything and everything except the one thing that actually matters, our relationship with God. The world is a beautiful and fascinating place. It's easy to fall in love with that beauty and God's creation, but that doesn't mean that we should love everything about the world. This world is like, hey, oh no, look over here. Hey, you need this. Hey, you won't be happy without that. Hey, make more money. Hey, do more this, do more that. You understand? All the time, all the time. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we continue our study in 1 John, building on the basic of love, we come to chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. As we're going to hear in these verses, there is a danger in loving the world. You could say this love of the world is a test because John does say, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. As Pastor Clay is going to explain, that doesn't mean we shouldn't love God's creation. But John warns followers of Jesus not to get caught up in the things of the world or the satanic influences of this world. That is Satan. That's what he does right there. What we're trying to look at as followers of Jesus, what we know we need to focus on, and all the time, something's jumping in front of us. All of a sudden, saying, hey, hey, oh, look over here. Ooh, shiny. Ooh, and, and, and all the time trying to get us to think or look or be concerned or worry about something else besides the one thing. And the whole time, God is saying, here I am. Focus on me. This is an important message for us all because all of us can, at times, struggle with the pull of the world. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. The world is a dangerous place. Y'all know it? Uh, I think just this past week, uh, my wife Cindy uh, was telling me, I, w- I wasn't with her in either any of the incidents, but three different times this week, somebody almost hit her. Uh, in a car, somebody almost broadsided her, and just not people just not paying attention. You, you all have had near collisions like that, right? You've had those kind of situations, and you've experienced that kind of thing, right? Yeah, so, some of you have have been in some th- it's very dangerous situations and stuff. Like the world is a dangerous place. Now, it's it's probably not as dangerous as it as the world was in this movie I saw this weekend. Uh, Cindy and I. Or rented a couple of Redbox uh, movies. One was uh, a chick flick, and, and it was I, I'm okay with chick flicks. I, I actually enjoy some of them. But the other one uh, I wanted to watch looked kind of interesting. Was called The Fifth Wave. How many of y'all? Anybody see The Fifth Wave? Yeah. Honestly, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. But the the premise of the of the Fifth Wave is that uh, aliens have come down to Earth and they're attacking the Earth. And uh, they do it in a series of waves. And the first wave is uh, an EMP, uh, electromagnetic pulse. Strikes the earth and, and, we, and there's no more power on the earth at all. Put your cell phones away, kids, because they're no good anymore. They're just paperweights. I mean, there's no power, no electricity, no anything. Planes are falling out of the sky and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's the first wave. The second wave was a gigantic earthquake that caused tsunamis that uh, basically wiped out all the major metropolitan areas, wiped out everything on on coastlines on all seven continents, the tsunamis. That was the second wave. I think I've got this right. The third wave 
was uh, disease that was spread by uh, hundreds of millions of birds all over the, that went, took it all over the planet, and the disease uh, killed hundreds of millions of, of humans. And uh, then the fourth wave was the uh, aliens, they're also called the others, uh, begin to come along and they're just, they're just picking off whatever humans are left. They're, they're hunting them down and tracking them down, all that kind of stuff. I won't, I won't tell you what the fifth wave was in case you end up deciding, in case I've piqued your interest, although it's, it's really not that good. But uh, in case I've piqued your interest and you end up seeing it, I don't I want to tell you what, what the fifth wave is. Um, but, uh, but of course, uh, through it all, there's this uh, lovely, young, blonde-haired uh, star of the show that manages to elude all of this stuff, manages to outrun a tsunami, manages to outsmart the aliens and, and all that kind of stuff. But one thing's for sure, when you watch that movie, it's like the world is a very dangerous place when you're watching that movie or in that movie. Now, that's, that's not real, right? That's not, it's not real. But the world is still a very dangerous place. Let's talk about it for a few moments uh, this morning. Let's talk about uh, the danger of the world. Open your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter 2. We're making our way uh, through 1st, uh, 2nd, 3rd John, as, through almost all the pastoral epistles, or I mean, sorry, the general epistles, uh, as we're walking through them and we're looking at basics that we're building on. We've, and I, I know I'm a broken record, but we've built on the basic of faith. We've built on the basic of hope through Peter's letters, and now we're building on the basic of love. And, and those are basics of, of life in Jesus Christ. So 1 John chapter 2, just a few verses this morning that we're going to kind of walk through and discuss uh, before we go uh, to the Lord's uh, table this morning. By the way, let me say this in advance. Uh, at Cross Culture, we believe this is the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. It doesn't belong exclusively to us. You don't have to be a member of Cross Culture, that's what I'm saying, to partake in the Lord's Supper. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's pretty clear. Uh, both in, as Jesus lays it out and, and Paul's description of it in 1 Corinthians 11. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ and living as best you know how in accordance with his will. But, uh, but today, uh, later in the service, you are, if you know Christ your Savior, you're invited to come and uh, commemorate his body broken for you, his blood shed on your behalf. 1 John chapter 2, uh, beginning this morning in verse 15 and running through verse 19. That's all we're covering. <clears throat> Do not love the world. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives, I'm sorry, what's that next word? Oh, y'all didn't say that very enthusiastically. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. You pray with me this morning, Father. As we look into your word for a few moments uh, this morning, may we just uh, have your spirit speak into our hearts and minds and lives uh, 
uh, that we might receive the truth of your word that would then be applied. If it's not applied, then, uh, then I, don't, I don't know what, what we're doing here, uh, Lord God. Um, we need to take your word and apply it to our life, not just hear, hear it, not just be hearers of the word, but doers. So would you help me? Would you help each person uh, here this morning or, or perhaps who will watch this message or listen to it? May you help each of us uh, hear your word and then apply it to our lives. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The dangers of the world. Now, uh, most of you are probably familiar that the Greek, uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Uh, Josh McDowell alluded to some of that this morning. The, the New Testament when it was originally written was written in Greek. And uh, so the Greek word for world there is cosmon. Obviously, you can figure that out. Obviously, it, it can therefore then mean the, the cosmos, the ordered uh, system uh, in the, u- the universe. But just as obviously, it can't mean that here because John would never tell us to not love God's creation, would he? He would never tell us not to love God's, God's creation, God's world, God's cosmos. No. In this case, the world, the cosmon, is refer- referring to the world system that exists around us, that exists apart from God and really in opposition to God. It is a system that uh, is constantly trying to take us away from the things of God, constantly trying to take us away from the focus on God and put our focus, our attention on anything and everything except the one thing that actually matters, our relationship with God. That is what, that is what the world system does. It is satanic in its origin and its intention is, as I said, to distract us, to keep us away from the things of God. And I'll have more to say about that in a moment. But you could say, and we talked about this last week, a couple of these last week, in a sense, this is a test. You could say this love of the world is a test because John does say, we read it just a moment ago, that last part of verse 15, John does say, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, just like the test last week, listen to me, because we hear that kind of stuff and we think, oh my gosh, I'd love to have a Ferrari. Does that mean I'm, I'm lost? Just like last week, John's not saying that, 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 there's, that we're talking about sinless perfection here, that we never mess up or anything else. He's not saying that we don't struggle with the pull of the world. Do you understand what we're talking about? With the, with the pull towards the, the, the desires and the distractions and, and the, all the stuff like that. He's not saying that we won't do it. As a matter of fact, that's why he's writing this, because he knows that, that we can have those struggles, Right? Am I just talking to myself or right? You understand what I'm saying? No. Listen, the person that John is talking about, the person that loves the world, is the person that, that, that that's, that's, that's all it is for them. That's, that it's all about the things of the world. It's all about what I can have or who I can have or where I can go or what I can do. And the world becomes... The world becomes their universe, their cosmos, their, their, their meaning, their, their everything. That's what it's all about for them. That's the person that has fallen in love with the world and the things of the world. And, and John clearly says, based on what John says, 
the love of the Father, if a person struggles with that, the love of the Father is not in them. That's who John is talking about, this, this person that is in love with, with the world. That that's what it's all about uh, for them. It is a test, but it is also a warning. Because John knows that I can. I, I assume you guys can answer this for yourself. John knows that I can, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, even with the Spirit of God dwelling within me, I can struggle with the pull of the world. Am I, can anybody relate to this? I can struggle with the, with the desires and the distractions of the world that want to get me to focus anywhere and everywhere and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and man, I, I want to do that or I'd love to have that. Or, or this is, you know, where, where to a point that that becomes my cosmos. That becomes my universe. That that's, John knows that that can happen even to those of us who may be here and be believers in Jesus Christ. And so it is also a warning. It is a warning first off, and it looks like this, to beware of the world's idolatry. Listen to me. I've been in lots of parts of the world, and I've seen this a lot of times, but idol worship, idolatry, is not not something reserved only for those more more, uh, third-worldish or or more rugged or more uh, simplistic parts of the world where men and women carve uh, statues out of wood or stone and bow down and worship them. I've seen that going on plenty of places. But oh no, oh no. That by itself is not all that idol worship is. No, look what John says. We read it in verse 16. He says, for all that is in the world. The, you know what I'm saying? The world system, the, the attractions, the draws. Not, for all that is in the world... The, watch this description. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, you put all that together. You put together the, the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. And you know what you have? You have, you have me. That it's all about me. It's what I have, what I want, what I need. What I, it's, it's all about self-gratification, self-satisfaction. I am the center of my cosmos. That, in its essence, is what idolatry is. To put anything as a greater priority than, than God would be in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? By the way, look at the correlation. I want you to see this. Look at the correlation between what John says here and the very first temptation in sin that takes place in Genesis chapter 3. Watch this. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. What is that? Lust of the flesh. Oh, mm, that's going to taste so good. By the way, that doesn't mean if you look at a fried chicken leg and say, wow, that's going to be so good. It doesn't mean that that's, that's sin, okay? It was sin for Eve because it was, it was of the tree that God said, don't eat this. This, this is off limits. I have a reason for that. So, so it's not just if you desire food, doesn't mean. So the woman saw the tree was good for food, lust of flesh, that it was a delight to the eyes. Yeah, come on, say it. What John say? Lust of the flesh. And it's like, oh, man, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Hitters. And that it was, the tree was desirable to make one wise. Do you remember, do you remember Satan's lie? Oh, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit. Because when you eat that fruit, you're going to be a God like him. You're going to know what God knows. You're going to be just like God. You're going to be a God. And to Eve and to any of us. That looked real good, 
didn't it? I can be a god? Cool. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband. Don't do it, Adam! And he ate. You You see, not much has changed, has it? From the very first temptation, the very first sin, not much has changed. Satan is is consistent, if nothing else. Why? Because he knows. He knows the power, the pull of the world and how it can take us in a direction away from God. That's what it does. You have to beware of idolatry. It, It can surface in a lot of different ways in our life, but it is basically making anything and everything God and not us. I had a question I was gonna, that I was going to bring up earlier. I forgot, but I want to bring it up now. It's as good, good a place as any. When you're thinking about this idea of, you know, what is, what is the person that loves the world is the person that their, their, their pursuits, their priority, everything is, is the world. Can, I want to just stop at this point and get you guys to, to ask yourselves this question. You don't have to do it necessarily out loud, but what is the priority, the passion, the pursuit of my life? Just, just, just let that hang there for a few minutes. What is the priority? What is the passion? What is the, what is the pursuit of my life? Be careful for idolatry. He says, beware of idolatry. Then watch the second thing that he says. Be aware that the world is temporary. See, listen, couched in this warning is a very practical lesson. Look what he says in verse 17. And the world is passing away, and also its lust, those things that, that grab our attention and draw us to it and want us to focus on anything but God. It's all passing away, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. It's very practical, isn't it? I know I've asked this question before. I'll ask it again. Why, why, why do we spend so much time, so much effort, so much energy and resources on on the stuff that is in the end all passing away and quite possibly in the very near future. I don't know. But, but why? Why do we so easily let, let the things of the world distract us, right? It just, the stuff gets, it gets in our way and God's, the whole time God's saying, look, look, look to me. Look to me. And I'll give you everything you need in life, everything you're looking for in life, everything that will give you peace and contentment and fulfillment and joy, all of that stuff that, that all of you teenagers are, are thinking, when y'all graduate, you're going to go out looking for in a, in a job or in a relationship or, or what, all those things that we do to say, God's saying, come here, look at me. And the whole time, this, this world is like, hey, oh, no, look over here. Hey, you need this. Hey, you won't be happy without that. Hey, make more money. Hey, do more of this, do more of that. And you understand? All the time, all time that is satan that's what he does right there everything what we're trying to look at as followers of jesus what we know we need to focus on and all and all the time something's jumping in front of us all of a sudden saying hey hey no look over here Ooh, shiny Ooh, and 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 all the time trying to get us to think or look or be concerned or or worry about something else besides the one thing and the whole time i'll say it again the whole time god is saying here i am focus on me um I think it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. That's what he's essentially saying. Look, look over here. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why do you want to get so distracted by the things of the world? I mean, all you need is right here in me. Be aware that all of this is going away, ladies and gentlemen. 
Now, John goes on and he begins to uh, talk about uh, the last hour. You see that? I think it's in verses 18, 19, somewhere. And he begins to talk about the last hour. By the way, um, the, the, you see the, 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 I don't know how I'll say that. The T-H-E, it's not in the original text. It's not originally in the Greek, in either one of the references to uh, last hour. There's nothing wrong with it being there. It, it happens all the time in, in, uh, in Greek when you're translating it into English to help with the translation and understanding everything else. But I want you to understand, uh, John is not, was not saying necessarily that the actual exact last hour was right then when he was writing that. He wasn't wrong when he said, it's the, when he said, children, it's the last hour. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't saying that that was the exact last hour. What John was saying was that everything that needs to be done in the economy of God, in all of his plans from the very beginning of creation to the very end, the only thing that is left, you know what it is, right? The only thing that is left is the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom on this earth once and for all, forever. That's it. That's all that's left. So, in the economy of God, when John wrote this, and in every generation since, every person that has read this letter, it's had the same meaning. That we are in the last hour. We are in the last time. Because, because all that's left is the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. So, in that sense, it is the last hour. You understand? So, what John is saying, he's, he's, just, he's, he's just going back to the idea. Just remember, it's, it, all this is fixing to go away pretty quick. And none of it's going to matter. In the end, all that stuff that, that I thought I had to have or was going to be so important or that, it's just not, it's not really... This. He also makes reference to the Antichrist. Um, and, uh, and he says, but he says, not, not the Antichrist. The, the Antichrist not not come yet. The Antichrist is, is a, a literal person who will someday uh, work in opposition to the kingdom of God and will, will try and establish... Uh, his authority, uh, try and be the world's leader and all that kind of stuff. You can read all about him in the book of Revelation. Um, but uh, John says, you know, the Antichrist, that actual person hasn't come yet. But even, even though he hasn't come yet, there are already many Antichrists in the world. And, and which sense would be anybody that is, is pulling us away, distracting us, working against the kingdom of God, the authority of God, uh, the 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 work of God, any, that they are in essence antichrist, and and John says they're already in the world, they're already out there. You can you just you can just count on it, they are there, right, right. And then he goes on and he sa- mentions that they went out from us. Now he could be referring to those people that he was talking about earlier that that they love the world more than things of God, and that was their part. He could be talking about them. He could be talking about the religious uh, teachers that he's fixing to get into in the next few verses, the false teachers that were teaching a false doctrine. In fact, uh, it's my opinion that he's probably talking about both of them when he says they went out from us. In other words, they may have been a part of the, of the church at one time, but at some point they went out. Maybe the things of the world became too strong a distraction. They missed this, they, that, or... Or at the very least, they got, they got off course on their theology and what they the doctrine of the church. And they went in a different direction. But they went out from us. Listen to me. This is very important. It doesn't mean they lost their salvation. It means they never had it to begin with. They, they never understood what it was. And listen, I'm just telling you, it's been the sad reality of my life. 
that I have known a number of people that have come into the church, made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, been excited, even acted excited about their relationship with Jesus Christ, but then eventually drift back out again and go back out into the world. John just says that's just a reality. And the very fact that they love the world more than the things of God, John says that's the evidence that they were never, they never actually had the love of the Father in them. Okay? So, what, what do we do with all this? What do we, okay, watch out, the danger of the world, there's idolatry and, and, and how that can happen in my life. And, and listen, idolatry doesn't necessarily have to be, think of it, it, some of those things aren't necessarily bad. For instance, if, you, if, you, if you're married, if you love your spouse or you have children, you love your children, that's certainly not a bad thing. It's certainly, that's a, a godly thing. You should love your spouse, you should love your children. But if your love for your children or your spouse takes greater precedence or priority in your life than your love and relationship with God, you understand? It could be a, it could be a hobby, it could be a career, it could be a sport, it could be anything that becomes this price. He says, watch out. For that, don't get caught up in that. Here's the best thing to do. Paul says it probably best, Galatians chapter 6, when he says this. But may it never be that I boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What is Paul saying? He says, I, I, I've, just, I've just counted it all as dead to me and I'm dead to it. I'm, now, Paul had his struggles. He did not, he's just saying, that's how I have to think. I, I have to think that I've crucified the world. That's not where my life is anymore. And I'm crucifying myself to it. I'm not going down that path, right? And that's what John's saying. He said, don't do it. Don't go down that path. And he says, remember, if you do, when you start down that path, the, the path of, of, uh, of the treasures and the trinkets and the concerns and the, all the stuff of the Lord, when you start fretting over that stuff, when you start worrying about the fact that... that uh, Everybody else is taking their kids to Disney World and you can't afford to take your kids to Disney World. Or when you start uh, uh, being worried that this person doesn't like you enough. Or when you start uh, being, when all this stuff begins to go on and that we struggle with, right? It's always right there in our face. It's always like, hey, 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 look, look, look. John says, stop. It's all going away anyway. It's not even going to be here. There's this scene in uh, Gladiator. Where Maximus is about to go out into the arena in Rome and fight again, and uh, and uh, Proximo, his like mentor or the guy that owns him, all whatever other kind of stuff, uh, is talking to him. He's trying to, if you've seen the movie, you know what's going on. But th- there's this conversation: "We mortals are but shadows and dust." Maximus, did you know that that's not actually just a movie line? Uh, a Roman poet by the name of Horace in the first century before Christ, uh, famously among those that keep up with first century dead Roman poets, (laughs) famously said, pulvis et umbra sumus. We are but dust and shadow. Proximo apparently mixed it up, but did you also know? That's a lie. That's a lie. We are not but shadows and dust. The world, the things around us, the stuff that we think is so valuable or that we have to have, to be sure it is but shadows and dust, but not you, not me. We can join with the psalmist in Psalm 139 who says this glorious text, 
I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. God's works are wonderful. Listen to me. The greatest, the most wonderful work of all is pictured at this table this morning. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross made it possible for you and I to be set free from the, from the draw and the trappings and the, and the this is my life and I just have to live it and this is it and this is all I have. Set us free from that to have a life of eternal worth, eternal value with Him forever. So that long after this world is nothing but shadows and dust, you and I will be in the presence of God forever and ever because of this what this represents here today. Shadows and dust. It's not we who are shadows and dust, but the world around us. The things the world prizes and puts value in are not the things that God says are truly valuable or lasting. Satan and those who choose the world are constantly trying to get our attention on anything but our God. We have to clear away the clutter and focus on what is really important, on what is eternal. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.